the Podfix Network. Hello and welcome to episode 224 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking, from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up, in our very, very humble opinion. Today on the show, we have the fabulous Gemma Hurley. Not only has she written and produced Shoot for the Moon and co-produced Sunset Dreams, but she is the co-writer of the fantastic indie horror breakout movie host uh, currently she has just she's in the writer's room for something at the moment but she's currently written the rising which will be out on your telly boxes very very soon i am giles alderson i am a writer producer and a director and i am a week and a half away from shooting my latest feature film uh, into enemy territory working title um which is a world war ii film and today we went on a massive tech recce at the site where we're filming. Um, we looked at all the locations. It was so nice to see all the crew. What a delight, what an amazing team we have. But yeah, God, it's always fun diving straight in, making a feature. And it becomes very real when you're working out where the toilets are going to go, where uh, the costumes can go, where the set dressing is going to be, how you're going to bring it in, where, how people are going to get there. And we have just finalised the cast uh, so that all happened today, and it is my birthday. Happy birthday, me. Uh, so that was fun. It's nice to do something on your birthday, especially going out and getting ready to make a film. Buzzing. I will fill you in on everything as soon as I can tell you who the cast is. I will. It should be announced in the trade soon. But I'm gearing up to make my film. The next one. It's happening. It's happening, people. Uh, so until then, till next Tuesday, when I can tell you even more, hopefully, I'll be cracking on with all the pre-production that goes with making a feature film. It's exciting. It's nerve-wracking. It's anxious time. But boy, do I love it. Um, and you can too, ladies and gentlemen. You can too. Believe in yourself and make it happen. Gemma, wow. Myself and cinematographer Andrew Roger sat down with Gemma had a brilliant brilliant chat now andrew if you don't know has uh, cinematographed um world of darkness and the dare and arthur and merlin knights of camelot for me and he has recently uh, lensed as dp confession starring cole Meany, um for signature entertainment and picture perfect which is lucinda rhodes tacker's production company and she's producing uh this war film andrew couldn't be on it because he's doing another feature film exciting it's all exciting we're all making movies but anyway today myself and andrew sat down and had a delightful chat with Gemma all about uh sunset dreams shoot for the moon which is the, mo the movies that andy shot with her and also we talk about her three picture deal that she has with blumhouse um how she wrote host how to become a better writer we also talk about how a tweet got her a job we dive into what it's like in the writer's room and why you should look forward to writing. We also talk about how having a creative well is vital and why you should keep failing and get feedback constantly on your work. All that is to come on this week's episode of the Filmmakers Podcast. I'm not going to do any more intro for you. I am knackered. It's been boiling hot, been in the sun all day. My face is red. I need some food. 
So here it is. This is our episode with the brilliant Gemma Hurley. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Yay! Hello, Gemma. Hey, hopefully that will be fine. Last time I did this, I was recording on my phone and someone called. It was awful. We had to do it all again. So we're fine today. (laughs) We're all good. We've all got professional microphones and I think that's that's a testament to the professionalness of us, right? It's going to be a very professional podcast. I feel it. You can feel it. You know. How has your lockdown been? Have you been enjoying yourself in this whole lockdown? I mean, you've had amazing success during this lockdown, but how's it been? It's it's been up, up and down. Up and down, I'll be honest with you, Giles. I think uh, on the one hand, you know, some things were meant to, because I mainly work in TV and a bunch of things were meant to film last year that didn't, mm-hmm. that are now filming this year. Touch wood, mm-hmm. please, dear God, no no more pandemics. Please. Um, please. Um, I'll ask Santa for that. Um, <laughs> but on the other hand, if the pandemic hadn't happened, I wouldn't mm. have been involved in um, a film called Host, which um, if no one's seen it, it is a, no it's not about it. the pandemic, but it's uh, <laughs> set on Zoom and it's about, you know, some people trapped in lockdown, getting a bit bored and they decide to do a seance over Zoom. Um, and that went surprisingly well. It um, went so. surprisingly well and it's brilliant. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Uh, it's really, really good, really clever. Uh, thought Ooh. outside the box and just and and also you you tapped into the fact that people were you know sat there on zoom and it really worked it really did but but the other side of it in terms of you did you find your writing we'll come back to host but in terms of your writing did you find that it was easier to because now you don't have to go into meetings you can sit at home and write or was that pressured yeah well you know i mean and again it's just such a strange thing because i'd only done a couple of writers rooms outside before the pandemic happened so that you know you're you're in a big room you're with people you're you Mm. know you've got um you can pause to have coffee you can have lunch together you can have those kind of breakout moments where you have all that kind of you know connections with with human beings remember that everybody I, i do and um but now i've been in this situation where i'm in a couple of writers rooms and they're all over zoom which is just a whole other experience in itself you know even just for like one person can speak at a time is just such a, like a very kind of a thing, a skill we've all had to learn, I guess, mm-hmm. and try and master this this year. But yeah, I've really just been like doing a b- bunch of writers rooms. Um, you know, we did host over, we wrote host over Zoom. I've written another uh, film over Zoom with the same guys, uh, mm-hmm. Rob Savage and Jed Shepard for anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very cool mm-hmm. people. They are. Jed Shepard has been on the podcast. He has been on Yeah, he's already. wicked, isn't he? Yeah, you guys yeah, know each great. other, like you were on Clubhouse a lot. Yeah, we, well. we, we, he's, he's joins our room every week and he's, well, he hosts it with us really. He's great. So yeah, we've become, we've become close filmmaking buddies, even though we've never met. It's always yeah. that thing where you can become really close. And maybe you're like that with your new writer's rooms. You come really close with people, but you've not actually physically met each other. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, I'd only ever met um, Rob once before we did host. I never met Jed. We, I met Jed at the um, the host premiere. Uh, and that's the only time I met him. I didn't know that. Wow. <laughs> no. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just that is the weirdest thing. You're absolutely right. These weird, strange, quite close relationships you form over zoom and i think i don't know about you guys but i've found that um you know small talk is a thing that i kind of used to do a lot more back in the day and now i feel like i'm a lot more kind of i you know just a bit more you turn up a little bit more authentically or a bit more Mm. vulnerably i guess Mm. with like people you don't you've never necessarily even met in real life Mm. i think you find i find maybe not very instinctively i find i can 
form a closer bond with someone because it's just like, you know what, we're all in this shit together. So mm-hmm. let's yeah. cut the shit, I guess. And also you you have nowhere else to look. I know it's a strange thing, but you're kind of looking at each other on a Zoom call for maybe hours. And yeah. in real life, you might not do that. You'd look out the window, you go get a cup of tea, coffee on Zoom. You're sure. kind of like... I'm just staring at the screen where your eyes are supposed staring to be. Staring into each other's soul. <laughs> yeah. And it's a really odd like sensation. You know, I mean, you feel guilty if you start off going doing something. You know when someone's doing something is they turn their video off. They just go, I'm just going to turn this off for a bit. I need to go do something. It's Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but, but there's a lot of benefits to it. There's a lot. I feel like there's a lot of work got done. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to do half the things probably um I mean like I'm not I don't want to be like yay let's keep this up after the pandemic is totally because <laughs> no, no I like no. I freaking miss people and yes. I do think that you do lose something over, over you know over zoom and things yeah no I think I think I've really enjoyed not that I, I much prefer to be in rooms with people but I've really enjoyed the focus of writing with one of my writing partners on a film that we just were like, we're on Zoom together. We are going to get this done. Mm-mm. And there was nothing else to distract us. There wasn't someone else coming in. There wasn't stuff going on or let's go get some food over there. We just literally focused on what we were doing. And I quite liked that. There was something really... The urgency. Urgent of it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Did, have you found that as well? Is it, has it really helped? Do you think have you got stuff done quicker? Over, um, over Zoom... Yeah, I mean, to to some extent, like, you know, I mean, like, Host was written in, I mean, when I say written, I mean that very loosely. Um, Mm. It was, we ended up with like a 17 page uh, outline, more than a script, but that was done over two weeks, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, quite intensive kind of period. And, you know, I don't know if I would have done that in real life. You would have been like, oh, let's meet up. Oh, when are you free? Yes. You know, and with, um, you know, writer's rooms, I mean, as well, you don't have any of that, like, oh, when's everyone like able to come into the office? And you just, you just do it, I guess. So there's a lot of time that's been saved to make up for what we've lost, I guess. Mm. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I think so. You work with Andy on a couple of yeah. projects from what I know, Shoot for the Moon and Sunset Dreams, which are both fabulous uh, projects. Yeah, well, yeah me and, and Link, I was thinking how we met. Um, yeah. You was, did, <laughs> it's a bit Twitter, weird, right? this story. Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. Like, yeah. when I was it? Like 2013 media. or something? Or? <laughs> 2006, probably. It's the best year. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's, it's been a while now, hasn't it? So you met on Twitter and then did you go off and... So they go, let's go make something. How did that work? We met on Twitter, just to clarify, because me and Chris had done this really, really weird, obscure niche uh, comedy sketch about the concept of scepticism. Cool. That's where we went. And I think, Andy, <laughs> I think you saw that and you're like, ha, 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 I also like scepticism. <laughs> also a fil- <laughs> filmmaker. I also so Andy. Exactly <laughs> oh, right on Twitter. Oh, I'd so like neat. this. He was much cooler. Um, and then oh, I said it in a much cooler way than that. He, he comes did. across much cooler than me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it was just like, oh, who's this guy with this lovely beard? And like, you know, he's a cinematographer and stuff. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think we met up in like a cafe Nero in yeah, Green you Park. And, me and, and Chris, yeah, I think. Yeah. All, yeah. yeah, that and was it's good. The start of a beautiful friendship and we forced you to do our short films and things. Yeah, <laughs> you did. And Shoot for the Moon was the first one you did together, right? I'm pretty yeah. proud of that. I think that's a really good It's gorgeous. Film. It's gorgeous. The, the way you got the stars and the Battle of the Moon, but it's beautiful. I remember it was really well written, and you produced it as well, didn't you? Yeah, I, I yeah, I've kind of tried my hand at a few things throughout my life, but generally, like as a wannabe writer, you have to produce things, don't you? It's kind of how it works. Well, you end up producing things because otherwise they don't move the needle. Mm. So if you're not making phone calls, you're not making stuff happen. They often don't happen. So Mm-mm. by just picking up the phone, often 
your script will suddenly get some life. Yeah. And and the thing I mainly remember about, yeah, I mean, just like, it was a really good learning experience for for me just to like, how do you, how does things work? How do what's what happens in a, a shoot? Like, well, who are the crew and things? And which is definitely very helpful for a TV writer who I eventually want to do show running one day. Cool. Yeah. But what I remember from those early days was like just everything going wrong. Like, you know, um, I think we nearly broke Andy's arm at one point when like something that. didn't something like the jig went wrong and you were just so like oh, polite yeah. and like, hello, everybody. I don't want to alarm anyone, but I'm about to break my arm. Like, <laughs> my hand got trapped please take in the this gym. camera. Yeah. <laughs> it was just so chill. Holy shit. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank God for Andy's guns. Just like, <laughs> yeah, you know. just strength of a thousand yeah. bears going. Yeah. Yeah, I've just got this uh, big old gym caught in my arm Touch here. Just yeah. bear me, with me. You. You don't want to alarm anyone, but it's kind of hanging off a little bit. <laughs> if anyone could help me. That's amazing. Do you think by producing it helped you become a better writer by seeing what happens goes on on set? Yeah. I mean, that was during my 20s and, you know, like, I was trying out a bunch of things. Like I didn't know if I wanted to be a novelist or a, a comedy writer, whatever. And I think it really did help give any kind of context to like, what the hell is this all about? And then seeing it on the screen and showing, seeing frankly what doesn't work mm-hmm. and often more times than what does work. And I did a lot of that. I did a lot of time in theatre as well. So you could have that, you know, writing and then seeing exactly what works, what doesn't like, you know, with that um, immediate feedback but yeah I mean you know at the t- at the time in my 20s it wasn't really like oh god how could you know you, you want you're like you're thinking um oh like I want to be a writer one day I want to make films I want to make tv shows like how can I get my stuff out there but really what's actually going on is like you're learning how to be a writer even if you think you think you already know how to do it but you really have like this long journey to go on to and you don't necessarily know where you're going to get end up but for me yeah it was kind of looking back on it retrospectively, that's what that time was all about, was just like actually getting good at it um, when I might mm. not have been to start with. <laughs> but that's it. We we never know what we are like at the beginning, right? No idea if I could write, direct, produce, any of that stuff. But I think just by doing, the more you do, yeah. the more you learn. And that's exactly right what you did. In the theatre, did you have plays put on? Did you write stuff that got made? And was that, or was that just kind of something that helped into your writing in TV and film? Yeah, um, yeah. So theatre, like I, I, I was collaborating with some guys at the time. We did, um, you know, we did a bunch of stuff off West End. We did some stuff at Edinburgh Festival for a couple of years. It was like that classic thing where you're in your twenties, you have no money, you have to quit your part-time job every year to go to Edinburgh Festival. Mm-hmm, um, it's all about twice. raising the money. Oh, there <laughs> yeah, you go. You know, yeah. it's like raising that obscene amount of money, like take, you know, going up there, doing it all. And it's like, oh, great. And now what? And now what? Yeah. Just, yeah. You just keep repeating that pattern. And Was that Death Ship? Death, yeah. Death Ship 666. We took to Edinburgh Festival and, nice. and another fantasy show as well. Just like co- co- comedy, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, for anyone out there who's, you know, wants to be a writer and is trying to figure it out, like you're getting like advice, like left, right and centre. And we certainly were about how how to do this job. And we'd um, happened to have a meeting with like some kind of BBC producer at the time who'd seen some of our YouTube sketches. Cool. Uh, and they were just like, yeah, just why don't you go to Edinburgh Festival? And we're like, but why would we do that if we want to work right for TV? Mm. But they were kind of right, even though that never directly led to anything because eventually we had to be like, okay, this isn't going anywhere. But 
through that process, we we grew, we developed our craft. And that was the kind of most important thing about it, that kind of process that we all have to go through unless you're already a genius, which I was not. So the more you do, the more the better I feel you get. But yeah. you've mm-hmm. still got to throw yourself into it. And we will make mistakes. And Mm-mm. we're never gr- great from the beginning. No one is really. We might get lucky. But I think you, you, and then it becomes even harder, that luck of a huge hit or whatever straight away. Then it becomes, oh my gosh, how do we follow sure. this up? And in some way you kind of had that with Host, which is kind of interesting. But oh God, yeah. Second second difficult album coming right up. Coming <laughs> right up, right? Yeah. You, I mean, you got the three picture deal with Blumhouse as well, you know, and that's mm. the follow up, right? <laughs> One of those is the follow up coming up, right? Which is already, I believe, shot. Maybe. Yes. I, mean. I have not seen it though. I'm very, okay. very intrigued Um, because it's going to be it's one of the I can't even say the name of it because it gives it away sure but it is one of those films where if we get it right everyone will be like oh my god they're so smart (laughs) but if we get it wrong like everyone will hate us it's a Marmite it's going to be a Marmite film like there's no 100% Mm. Rotten Tomatoes it's going to be you love it or hate it and hopefully we tread that like that very thin line just right and we can we can pull it off so fingers crossed fingers crossed for you because mm-hmm. it, you de- you all deserve the success, success oh, from thank that you. it's true though you're fabulous you know the fact that you just did that and got fabulous. you know host it's fabulous the, you know host is just so cool and if you haven't seen a host do go on shudder it's worth getting the month uh, subscription and then deleting it just for host it really is um, not nothing against shudder because that's cool as fuck as well to be on shudder yeah. yeah did you i mean all right let's dive into host then because you can't have expected it to blow up as it did i mean it was something you were doing i don't know I, or was it i mean it was something you were shooting on zoom or with iphones uh, taped to your laptops or was this just another project that let's just see what happens how was it for you how was the process talk us through it all um, that'd be really interesting to know. It was just one of those. And I think that's, this is the biggest lesson for me. It was just a, a bunch of fun um, with no expectations, you know, like I'd met, as I said, I'd met Rob Savage, the director and co-writer, you know, like six months before for a completely different project. It was like, I'd been recommended to him by a, a producer we both know who, you know, and Rob was looking for like some writers for this different project. So we had a coffee you know, chatted for like 90 minutes and it was great. It was like, yay, we're talking about ghosts and exorcisms and stuff. He's a cool guy. Um, probably never see him again because you have you have so many of these meetings, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I, I've got like a really lame little spreadsheet where like every time I meet someone new, I like write their name down and I'm like up to like, I don't know, like number n- number 80 now or something stupid. That's not lame. That's cool. That's really clever, actually. Well, it's just so, I've got such a shit memory. So I'm just like, who is that person? Why do I know them? Anyway, so yeah, and I was just like, I'll probably never see him again, but it mm-hmm. was just really cool to, to meet Rob. And um, I mean, I don't know if you remembered me or if it was Twitter, but um, Rob put out a... Um, this prank video on Twitter, I don't know if anyone's seen it, which was the kind of catalyst for Host, mm-hmm. where he um, he got all of those actors who were in the film um, and he kind of pranked them. He like said there was like some noises in his attic and then he went up there like with his Zoom camera and was like, you know, he pushed open the attic, you know, roof and stuff and he put his camera up there and did a kind of clever switcheroo and played that kind of jump scare out of wreck with the zombie kid like that, that kind of attacks the camera. It's brilliant. And, you know, yeah, it's brilliant. All the actors scream. It's fun. And um, off the back of that, Rob and Jed um, Shepard got a lot of attention from different companies who were like, ooh, you know, can you make a film out of this? Because it's lockdown. Um, No one else is shooting any shit. 
um, can mm-hmm. you please, dear God, please can you? <laughs> um, basically was was the message. And I think um, Jed came up with the kind of Zoom seance idea. I saw that on Twitter and I was just like, oh, yay, well done, guys. Fuck you, you managed to do something creative. <laughs> kind of thing like yeah. really like you know yeah. good good for you good for you oh, good Ooh, for you just gonna rub your hair yeah. with my knuckles yeah. yeah it was that that classic like first <laughs> like going into the second month of lockdown kind of time mm-hmm. which everyone kind of I remember quite nostalgically now I don't know about everybody else <laughs> nostalgically those petty days <laughs> yeah, in the second like, lockdown how much pasta do we have is this enough like uh, <laughs> the it was toilet roll thing's fine now it's yeah. the pasta issue <laughs> yeah it was the pasta and then everyone would bake oh whatever so um god so it was that kind of time and then yeah. Rob messaged me after I sent that tweet basically he was like hey do you want to help us make the film and I was like Mm. Yes, 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 please. Yeah, um, what I just said in my head, I take it all back. Yeah. I didn't mean it. I'm <laughs> yeah. delighted. Cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was really that. And I, I don't know. I haven't actually asked him directly if, if he would have otherwise. Mm. Uh, yeah. And then it was just like, you know, we've got two weeks. Let's make a story, figure out these characters, figure out what the structure is. Because um, they'd already kind of had quite a clear idea of what scares they wanted to do and what was possible so it was really just kind of down to the three of us working together to you know make any kind of story that we're going to connect with um Mm -hmm. and that was kind of it really and I was just oh that was fun it was really fun I just got to watch a lot of horror films laugh a lot Mm -hmm. and not have any kind of huge expectations or the time to second guess yourself and then it was over and you know, it came out 12 weeks later um, wow. and I could just watch it like any other person go, holy shit, we did that. That's fun. Isn't that silly? <laughs> and again, just still assuming no one would even see it because it was just on Shudder at the time. And yeah, we were just blown away. Every every day is just like, oh, wow. So Gemma, you wrote on Red Rose uh, before this. Before that, I'd write, written on uh, a show called Red Rose, which is a kind of a tech horror thriller show which was meant to be shooting last year but obviously covid and that's shooting this year fingers crossed is going to be on bbc in the uk and netflix everywhere else yeah and that was like my only thing i'd done credit wise before that you know or a few other things that kind of like never really took off yeah yeah. or the shorts or the start the plays and stuff you've done that that kind of work but nothing big yeah the reason i ask is um I, I wanted to ask if obviously like since then have you found you've got loads of supernatural style gigs out of it is it mainly been that kind of thing or have you had all sorts of offers that's a really interesting question um, I and now I have to actually think about it <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think um it's yeah it's been super busy since most happened but I think even before look I'm obviously uh you can tell by my voice if anyone has not met me I'm I'm a girl I'm a lady and I write genre <laughs> which is um mm-hmm. apparently not a so much in the UK generally. It's certainly less. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely yeah. less genre writers who are female. Yeah. Well, correct. even to be fair, there's probably less genre writers generally because for some reason the UK does not do genre, which doesn't is... like it as much. No. Yeah, it's not Man's cool, guys. Strange. No, we like BAFTA winners, not we do. Um, not uh, money winners. Yeah. <laughs> oh. It's... <laughs> Thanks. Oh, well, I hope it's changing anyway. I hope there's going to be like so a new too. wave of like fun shit coming out but anyway so I think I've been quite fortunate that I as a female and a genre writer have come into the industry at a certain time where that's a good thing 
Um, where if I'd come in like 10 years ago, I might have not got any work at all. So I don't know. I generally think it's great for females in general at the moment. And it's about time that, you know, certainly more females are getting their voices heard within genre writing, but also filmmaking as well. It really is uh, a wonderful thing that's changing in our industry right now, that female directors can come in and it's not an issue, you know, that, you know, if it's a, a horror you know, or yeah. whatever it is. And I think that's really important and I love that. So it's great that that has happened and helped you as well. I think it, it's, we just needed it. It genuinely has, it has helped me. Like, um, you know, Rob was actively asking for a female writer just because it's like a credit to them. Maybe like 10 years ago, this wouldn't even crossed anyone's mind, but it was like, mm -hmm. oh, we're going to do a story about five women. Maybe we should also have a female writer to balance out the room because we already have two guys you know mm -hmm. um so i think that that's you know that, that's been very helpful to me and i've been getting loads of uh, genre kind of offers coming through which is it's just been really fun and uh, yeah i just think i'm just coming at a really lucky time so yeah hopefully it continues and yeah and also your know. talent you know at the end yeah, of the day you, yeah. <laughs> you can come you can be lucky like i said at the beginning you can get lucky and make your first film and mm -hmm. it's a success but it's the continuation of that is talent you know there's no question about it because you get found out in this industry very quickly mm. and you know you can see that you've got the talent in oodles and it's so exciting to see what you've got going forward for sure you know red road sounds amazing you've got so many other things going as well another supernatural thriller i think we can talk about called the rising so the rising got announced very recently it's a sky show i'm doing an episode of that it's like a it's an adaptation i don't know if anyone saw the belgian tv show hotel bel sejour it's a show about like a girl who's murdered and um comes back as a ghost and tries to solve her own murder which is That's quite, cool. quite cool and spooky yeah. um and i'm also writing on a i can't say what it is because it's not been greenlit but um it's an Amazon fantasy show um, adaptation. So fingers crossed that all goes off because that'll be super fun. Super. Is that one of the writing rooms that you're in at the moment? Yeah. yeah yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. How do you find writers rooms? Uh, on Zoom or just you generally? Just, just or... knock on the door. Hi. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, in terms of generally, how do you, how does that feel as a screenwriter for you or a writer to work with other people in depth and constantly chucking ideas mm. about what what is good about it and what is well, you don't necessarily have to say the negative things but how do you find it <laughs> i think yeah you know i think this is a really interesting question because it's not something that you're ever really taught how to do uh, mm. i find myself like especially when i first started i was like it's like what's the best practice here like how yeah. how what are the expectations how can i not be a dick and how can I <laughs> how can I not be a dick yeah. that's number one so true it is number how one how am I not a dick yeah. um and that's just you know classic things like not talking over people and stuff like that but yeah I think it's for me I'm I'm still learning like this is my fourth writer's room and really it's like about how to like learning about how to actively listen like rather than just like waiting for your turn to speak that a number one mm -hmm. tip but also like how to you know, like, what's the bigger picture, really? Like, you know, we, I think when writers' rooms, you can get stuck in, like, the weeds a little bit and just being trying to make sure that, like, you know, is this idea that I'm clinging on to, is it, like, really that important? Like, or is am I just, like, just obsessed with this, you know, this thing that isn't really important in the scheme of things? Mm. But I think it really just depends on who... And this is not something our the UK has necessarily a history of doing because we do... 
an interesting type of writer's room, which I don't think is what America do from my understanding. I've never done American room and they, they you know, classically they were like, you know, they're 20 weeks long. Mm-hmm. There's a showrunner, which is mm-hmm. very different from a lead writer, which is kind of more the style that we have here. And the difference for anyone who doesn't know between a showrunner and lead writer as what I understand it is that, um, you know, the showrunner, you know, they have a lot more power, authority, say over the show, both in terms of the creative content, but also in terms of the production. They, you know, they they actually have some hand in the budget, talking to the directors a lot more and the different heads of department and, you know, the kind of general hire execs. You know, they're, they're essentially like the proper captain of the ship. Like, this mm. is my vision. I'm leading this ship and everyone yes. buckle up. This is where we're going. Mm-hmm. Whereas like a lead writer, it's a little bit in UK, my understanding and experience of it is a slightly different uh, kettle because they're not really involved in those kind of bigger production issues. I'm sure they have a lot of, you know, they have a say in it, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's less about their vision. It's more kind of the production company and the execs and production company driving the project a lot more. And that's my kind of impression and understanding of how it works. You know, and also the rooms in the UK tend to be a lot shorter. Um, you know, I've done rooms of two weeks long. I've done rooms at six weeks long. I've done rooms that are like 12 weeks long. Um, and you can only get a certain amount done in less time. Mm-hmm. So then I think a lot of the work kind of comes afterwards where you have, you know, it's more kind of one-to-one with like a lead writer and stuff. And the um, a script editor, which is something we have in the UK and it's not necessarily something I think is in the America as much, mm. but I've never done that in one of those rooms. I'd like to one day. Yeah, I've heard that. I mean, showrunners definitely in America run the show. They're more, way more important than the directors. You know, mm. director comes in and almost steers for a little bit, but the mm. showrunner at any point can take over that steering vessel. Get off my uh, ship. Get off my land ship. Whatever <laughs> it is. Um, and, I, and, I, and it's quite, you know, it's a daunting thing. I think as a director, I've heard a lot of directors come on the podcast who've said that when they've gone into a show like Luke Cage or Eternals or anything like that. And suddenly, you know, the showrunner is brings down the neck, you know, it's already got a set look. It's already got a set mm. style with how it's going to shoot. And I imagine the same for you, Andy, as a DP, you know, they've already got a certain look. It you is. kind of just have to fit into it, right? Gemma, you said earlier that no one's born a genius. Where, where, at what point did you become a genius? I know, I know. as soon as I said that, I was like, I didn't mean this. I didn't mean that. Fuck you, Andy. So I've become, genius. guys, I'm a genius this year. That's what's happened during lockdown. You and Kanye, uh, I know. So yeah. give me yeah. my money. Congratulations. <laughs> no, geniuses don't get paid until they die. That's oh, the God. rule, right? So oh. it's too late now. You've said it's, uh, it's too late. <sighs> you know, Gemma, what I, I do want to ask you, like, I, I guess I was trying to get to it earlier, but like, what are the stories that interest you? What what are the things that you want to write? You know, this is the thing I've actually been asking, like staring into the, to the mirror and the sky and asking myself this question a lot. The mirror and the sky the at the same time. It's like a mirror reflecting is my into face the sky. In the sky? Poetic, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, it's just because COVID has made everything last longer than it was supposed to. So some things that were supposed to be open done with have not been. So I'm coming to the end of some things and, you know, you look into your your eyes and go, who am I? And what do I want to do next? Um, and I have been asking, I, I'm desperate basically to um, to do some more, some of my own stuff, but also like, I love collaborating with other mm. creatives. It's just like my happy space. And maybe that's just because I'm a coward and I don't want to be the one who's responsible for messing up. But um, I also just, I just like, God, it, I, I, I enjoy, I want to enjoy it. I love working with people who 
I can have fun with and who aren't dicks and, you know, we all (laughs) (laughs) like each other. I think it's so important. Like I say, just finishing this romantic comedy I've been doing with my mate Noel and it's been such a joy to write it with him. It's been... I, when we, because we've handed it in now, with with that point, we messaged each other the other day. I miss you. I miss you. We're like, all right, let's get back on a call because we really enjoy each other's company. We make each other laugh in stupid ways, and we're also it's easy to say no, that was shit to each other. Mm. No, let's not go down that route. And I'm the same as you. I much prefer writing with other people or working together. I found when I'm on my own, I struggle. I get to page mm. 70 and go, this is shit, don't know what I'm doing, or we get lost. Whereas I can just pass it backwards and forwards with someone else and go, what do I do here? Or they do it to me. Uh, do, yeah. do you feel the same when, like you say, it sounds like it, that you much prefer working with other people, but when you have written stuff on your own, how do you do it? Do you, do you structure everything down? Do you do beat sheets? I think you know, well, I mean, you hope you know that it's going to be a good project if you look forward to mm. you know turning up you know whether that's like turning up to the page or turning up to the, the zoom call yes. development chat or you know if you're looking forward to it and you're having a laugh and i mean i don't mean like let's just dick around and not get any work done no but, absolutely yeah you know there is some there is some like you i don't know it's almost like you know you you met someone new and you know that first you, you know when you met someone for the first time and you like uh think about them and you get like a little bit excited thinking about that that kind of like it's almost like that kind of first love kind of feel Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you know sometimes that can go the other way like if the project's not going well and it's just like oh god i need to get out of this bad relationship of a project you know it's a great way of putting it it's like a relationship it's like that first tentative steps of a relationship and then later on it's a relationship and yeah to make it work yeah um yeah well i mean so it can can go both ways um but it's been to be honest it's been a long time since i've written one of my own projects because i've been you know taking this the last couple of years to i mean i feel like i've just learned i I can't tell you how much i've learned in the past couple of years working in, in writers rooms collaborating it's just i mean maybe this is just all in my head but like i just feel like i've just got so much more confidence and i can do things faster and i can kind of understand what a scene is supposed to do a lot more um, instinctively when perhaps I might have had to be a bit more intellectual about how to get there and like practice certain skills. Um, mm-hmm. But now they're a lot more internalised. Um, I imagine it's like playing guitar, but um, Andy, you could, you could tell me. No? <laughs> I have no idea. He's got guitars behind him, but that's just for show. Oh, yeah. Can't play for shit. They come up, they're just nailed on the wall. <laughs> no, I, I, can, I can relate to that. I, th- I think, yeah, the more you do anything, the more... Yeah, it becomes like a reflex. Your muscles get used to that thing. Um, yeah, right. yeah. But um, I think there was a, I mean, this is a kind of a cautionary tale as well. I think um, something I've had to learn, especially during lockdown, is boundaries, like between how much I work and burnout, mm. like really navigating that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you guys found this, but like I felt maybe especially when I was like, oh God, I need to like get as many credits as possible. I need to get out there. And you have that kind of, that fire and dread of like losing your chance, your opportunity. And that meant that I was doing a lot of, you know, 14 hour days every single day, not taking weekends. And Mm. after a while you, you kind of, you know, your body kind of revolts, I guess. And Mm -hmm. I found I, you know, stopped enjoying what I was doing because I just was not having the time to rest and fill up that creative well. And I think now I've found a lot more balance. And ironically, now I've given myself a chance to rest and actually switch off. I'm much more productive rather than just being like raggedy, like burnt out all the time. So yeah, I would really just recommend if anyone's starting out out there or thinks that the only way to succeed is by like burning themselves 
like whipping themselves. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's really counterproductive and give yourself a break. I think that's really good advice. Yeah, yeah great yeah, advice. Hang on, guys. Hang on a minute. Uh, speaking of raggedy and burnt out, Robbie's calling me. I have to take this. I have to. I'm so sorry. Hey, Robbie. Hey, Giles. Oh, I'm just feeling so burnt out and raggedy. It's just, <laughs> you know, that, it's just my life now. And I've got this problem. Have you? I'm between a rock and a hard place. Oh, like a quandary. Yeah. You might even say that I'm cornered. Can you see where I'm going with this? You know, yeah, corner. but <laughs> what is the issue? What is the problem? I'm trying to find a gift for a wedding. And, you know, you're the best person to come to to ask about gifts. So what would you... I am. What would you get people? I like to find inspirational gifts. I, um... Yes? I once got an elephant for newlyweds for their wedding. Elephant? That's pretty interesting. They said, thank you very much. I said, don't mention it. Right. (laughs) I laughed at my own joke. Yeah. Okay, okay. So you need a gift urgently. Yeah. You know what would be... Would be a good (laughs) gift? Yeah. Bitcoin. Bitcoin? Yes, Bitcoin, Robbie. But is it is it appropriate, Jars, to give money, to give Bitcoin? Well, just think. They could get anything they want with Bitcoin. That could be a really lovely gift, couldn't yeah, it? These, these days, yeah, it's, it's what all the yeah. kids are doing. And just think, in five years' time, after they're divorced, they might have a nice, juicy divorce settlement <laughs> that they can split and turn into sats. Oh, sats. Which is what you get if you sign up with Coin Corner. You get yes. free sats, everyone. What a link that was. <laughs> you didn't think that corner thing was coming back, but it did. It did. It did. It properly came back. It caught you unawares, didn't it? Uh, so sign, sign up now with Coin Corner. Use the voucher code FILMBTC to get your Bitcoin journey started with some free sats. Link is in the show notes. I've got to go, Robbie. I've got to carry on with the Filmmakers Podcast. All right. Thanks, Giles. Thanks again. Good luck with the wedding. Yeah, thank you. Sorry about that, Gemma. Um, so what do you prefer? Dialogue or story? I'm probably more of a story person, like big picture. Like, I mean, host, I didn't mm. have to write any of the dialogue for, thank God, because they were much more witty than I am. Like all the actors who improvise most of their dialogue. Sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I just like, I really quite like that kind of, big picture let's create a a world Mm. or a feel um like you know really just i'm quite tone orientated i suppose Um, and that was for hosts that was mainly what our most of our conversations were about in the early days was like how do we want people to feel like when they finish seeing this film and that was kind of our guiding star and we kind of was like we want it to feel like we've been on a roller coaster and it was fun and you're with your mates and it's over you know and we think we managed to pull that off. Host much, pulled that so, off. Yeah. You, you guys pulled that off for sure. Thank you. Absolutely. No, he totally did. Yeah, I, th- I think, and, and maybe coming from the theatre side and that sort of world that you've created, I imagine you, dialogue's not a problem for you, but it's interesting, isn't it? Choosing the two, and I love creating worlds too, and I'm happy to write dialogue, but, you know, there's, there's other people maybe better than that than me. I don't know. I just... There's no one better than that than you. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> But if you don't do it, and I think this is what's important to anyone out there who is not maybe not the best at dialogue or not the best at story, is if you don't put it down, if you don't, if the idea is nothing, it's just something in your head, it doesn't go anywhere. So you have to put it down and then get other people to help you make it better, right? I mean, I don't know how you feel about that, Gemma, but I always feel that the more you can put stories down and just say that's now a real story, even if it's just in a notepad or a, a Word document in your file somewhere, it's it's a tangible thing then. You can send that to someone. 
Is that your creative process? So do you find that you you kind of come up with an idea and then you reach out to like do you, I'm sorry, Giles, do you like write your own stuff or do you like tend to collaborate with another writer or like both? Yeah, both stuff. But I'm like I say, I much prefer collaborating now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just I find it easier. Like my creative mind sometimes can't compartmentalize everything and go, okay, well, this beat needs to happen here and this one. So by having another writer sometimes helps me do that. Or I can mm. just step away. My brain can step away and then it's easier for me to see it from an outside perspective. Uh, so for me, it's much better. And I wrote for the theatre for years as well. And I, but I just, oh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I feel like you say sometimes what you said about you feel they were more witty than you. I feel people more intelligent than me in terms of certain dialogue and certain phrases and stuff. And mm. I, so I like to lean on other people who might be better in that area than me. But I think we, we can all help each other, I suppose. I think that's really interesting. I think we've all kind of got our own, like, in the back of our head, whether we'd say them aloud or not, our mm. own kind of, like, things we think we're good at and things that we're kind of maybe a little more, bit more self-conscious yes. of. Yeah. And I think sometimes that can be an unhelpful fallacy if you're focusing on... Like, I find, so, for instance, I've been in this writer's room right now and the things I was anxious about I've spent so much energy avoid like making sure they were right that I'd like missed other things you know so you kind of you can come I for me I find that I can kind of fixate on trying to like fix your flaws rather than like focusing on the things that you're you're naturally good at but yeah I don't know I don't know if that applies do you find that as well or yeah 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 yeah, totally that with with Johnny Grant who we wrote the dare together he, he he's much more structurally potentially but he's certainly the intelligence side whereas i'd go up with a fun side and go okay well let's try this try that and i don't know i think that having the right partner writing partner is important yeah. as well like you said before you have to sometimes you know when it's not working anymore and let's step away and that's hard to do as a young writer mm. you know they've spent years maybe trying to write something with someone else and then suddenly you go this isn't working is it it's really hard to let it go but yeah. sometimes you have to because you've invested so much in any in, in any relationship you know as mm. you know it's the same with projects it's like this is it's kind of like that co- concept of a sunk cost isn't it it's like well i've already put so much energy into it yes. like you know i can't yeah, let yeah. if i let go of it now all of that was for nothing so it's mm-hmm. like let's keep putting energy into it and you know it's like when you're trying to lose weight and you buy ice cream isn't that that classic thing it's like oh but i shouldn't eat this ice cream but i've already paid for it and it's just like no you <laughs> it don't sat there in the freezer and it'll don't only punish get yourself twice <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a great analogy yeah Yeah. I like that what about structure then for you in terms of if you were to write something now a feature on your own or even with someone else how would you go about it it'd be really nice to sort of hear your process if you've got one or whatever that might be before I'd got to structure I'd go back to the thing I was talking about about tone and how Mm. do I want it to feel and I think structure is you know uh, subtly quite involved in in that you know so for instance I know we've all like read those yeah. classic books you know like mm-hmm. save the cat yada yada we all know those rules and they're helpful sometimes but it's also good to know when you know to, to throw that away and I think that comes back to how you want your film to feel and how you want to surprise your audience and I think you know host is a good example of that because mm-hmm. we do break a lot mm-hmm. of rules structurally in that you know it's quite a top heavy film i think the first act is like you know about 40 minutes 
forty uh, percent of the film, or even fifty percent of the film, and the the final act mm-hmm. is like five minutes or something. It's it's you know it's really lops lopsided, sure. janky structure. But I think that goes into again, like going back to how do we want this film to feel? And we wanted to feel like you're on a roller coaster. You're going click 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 up, like taking your time, and then yeah. shoo, like really fast towards the end. So you feel like mm-hmm. you have this adrenaline rush. But you know that's not technically how you know classically that what we're we're taught is meant to be a lot more like balanced structurally than that so yeah I think that would be my first thing like what you know depending on the project like what does it what do we want it to feel like and how can our structure emulate that I'll try and think of some other examples but uh, I can't right now because Andy I am not a genius so (laughs) 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 I love that about tone yeah I think that's really important also I I touch on the fact that who is it aimed at and mm. i think with host you knew who the audience was you sure. knew the type of people who would like this movie therefore you mm-hmm. can aim it there and certainly mm-hmm. with the dare we knew exactly who our audience was yeah. uh, the, the latest romantic comedy i know who the audience is and i think that's really important when you're starting out mm. or something when you're starting out For any sure. project i think it just helps to go, okay, is this a 12? Is this a PG? Is this an 18? It really does dictate how you write it because, you know, and it's important to do that early on, I think. You might not know and you can change it, but mm. I think you've got to have a, I, I like to have a decision. It's like, this is what we're aiming for. Otherwise it's wishy-washy. I agree. And I think the other thing you said there about audience, I think um, something to touch on is I think our audiences are much more sophisticated these days and they are it's so much harder to surprise them. And they they kind of, either either consciously or unconsciously, they know the story structure that, you know, that we've all learned because they've seen it a million times in the movies that they've watched. They know, yes. you know, like at the midpoint, this thing happens. They know, you know, you know, et cetera. They know the hero's journey unconsciously. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's, I think, what's quite interesting now, um, especially in the horror genre where like, you know, horror fans are just such, you know, essentially like awesome nerds they know they know all the tropes they know you know it's how can you surprise them and structure comes into that i think i think a really good example i saw of that is probably green room um Mm. have you guys seen green room yeah Yeah. i love green room yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. really interesting yeah where it it just really for me it just like changed the, the structure of that film was just like oh i feel like we're coming to the end of the film now and we're at the midpoint like Mm -hmm. You know, because yeah. I've been taught that's what should happen at the end of a film. Um, and, mm-hmm. I, you know, just using that to kind of subvert our expectations. You know, mm. I, I'd like to do more of that. I like that. I mean, with romantic comedy, sometimes you do have to sort of fit the formula a little bit. But I certainly mm. think with horrors, we're allowed to play with tropes and play with, you know, genre movies. Why not? I do think there's a lot of people get het up on that because, you know, the first book on a producer's desk in Hollywood is Save the Cat or whatever. So they expect it to be a certain way. And sometimes you do need to sort of play the game a bit. But also I think, fuck it. If you've got a cool idea, like host, you go, well, (laughs) fuck it. We're doing it our way. We're making it, what, 57 minutes, I think it is? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And you go... with the credits, yeah. <laughs> you, you just go, and, and in fact, on the, on, was it on Sky Movies recently? One of them, I saw it, and it had the extras at the end as well, like the Zoom oh, meetings. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah it was like yeah. your own actual 
how should we do this? Where's Jed gone? This, yeah. Did you see the seance that we did? The real yes, one? The real oh seance that you did at the end. It's really interesting. That was the first time I met the cast, actually, when we did a real seance. Really? Uh, yeah, so it's just like, this. who are these people? <laughs> and we're, we're the real medium. Oh, my God. So, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, no, I loved it. It was really interesting how the actors were quite similar to their characters. And I know they were playing on those tropes as well. But I loved that. I thought it was brilliant. And I can see why you're going to carry on with that team if you like so obviously you can't give too much away about the, your next one but mm. I, I love that I think that's wonderful I love me and Andy talk about this a lot bringing the same team up and bringing them together you know you have a relationship why not if you have success go on that journey together I think that's really lovely it's really yeah, nice ho- ho- hopefully um, you'll still be saying that after you, the next film <laughs> we enjoyed making it like our, our roles thing, right? yeah. yeah we yeah. did our, our yeah. role and it was quite interesting our roles kind of changed like in the first film that we did like because I didn't know them I was a lot mm. more kind of like I am the serious writer you know I am doing you know I'm here to bring us like sort out these relationships and the structure yes. and yes you can do all the fun like stunts and shit mm. where in this one we really like um it was a lot more relaxed and a lot more kind of yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't want to give too much away again, but like, yeah, we just kind of me and Jed were kind of like trying to like out prank Rob a little bit and like try and like wind him up and stuff. But yeah, it was fun. When it should be, it should yeah. be fun. It's so hard work writing. It should be yeah. fun. If you're not having fun, then yeah, try and have fun. Basically, try and make it that way. Um, yeah, me and Andy, we try and do that on set as well, don't we? We do try and let's not be too serious. Yeah, I, I think. I mean. There's definitely easier ways to make money, isn't there? So, it's very true. <laughs> less fun ways to make money that are easier. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, well, we should have a good time. Yeah, right? I mean, I, I mean, we've all done those those jobs. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe in your twenties, I don't know if you were just always doing filmmaking. What you mean, last um, year? <laughs> Ask me next year, right? Yeah. <laughs> you mean next year? <laughs> yes. Sorry, oh my apologies. You, yes, you I presume that. Uh, yeah, exactly. No. Yeah, absolutely. I had some terrible jobs. I mean, really awful. I hated them. The fact that we get to make movies for a living in any way is absolute joyous, and we really should be. And we, yeah, yeah. That's why I don't like people moaning on set. I really, I get it if there's an issue, but at the same time, I just don't get it when people come and they they just decide to have a moan because the bits aren't right, this, that, and the other. And you kind of go, yeah, but you're not working in wherever are you now? You know what? That's, I think that's such a, a really good point. And I think that's something I've had to kind of check myself with a little bit as well, because you do, it's amazing how quickly you get used to the new normal and mm. that you become entitled to that being the new normal. And I think, you know, for me personally, like if I have a bad day, in like a writer's room or like I've had a bad day with my script and I'm just like, I'm just feeling really down about it. It's just like, oh, hold on a second. Like you're like literally doing your dream job. Like Mm -hmm. I do my dream job. Like that's amazing. How many people get to do that? But then it's like, you're also a human, I guess, and you you experience human emotions and Mm. it's just natural to have ups and downs. But you just, I also, you know, you hear all those horror stories about like people who kind of get to a certain point in their career, like when they're really super, super successful and they're all just like really miserable and bitter Mm. or like all their Mm. relationships have fallen apart. And it's like, how does that happen and why? And how can you, how can you avoid that? And I think, you know, I'm going to just keep trying to do things that are fun, (laughs) working with people who I like. Exactly. I agree I with you. I think that's vitally important. 
It so is. Um, look, the success of Host is is super. Uh, like I say, do go watch it, everyone who can now. Um, it really is just a great example of what you can do when you're thinking outside the box. Can't wait to see what you guys do next. And I can't wait to see what you do next as well in terms of, you know, uh, separately as well. Uh, just because, you know, I think you're fantastic talent. And, and uh, oh, thanks, I can't Charles. wait to see that. My pleasure. No pressure. <laughs> None at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> Gemma, so what, uh, what advice could you give? So this is, I'm sure you get this all the time. What, what kind of advice would you give to young screenwriters or old screenwriters or screenwriters who are in the middle ages? <laughs> Not living <laughs> in the middle trapped ages. Trapped in the middle ages. <laughs> exactly. What advice? Oh my God. Um, I mean, get feedback and keep mm. failing and keep failing until it doesn't hurt anymore. And then you're a writer. <laughs> <laughs> And you might hopefully be okay at it by that point as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. If any luck. Amazing. Yeah, that's super, super, super brilliant. I love this. Uh, Gemma Elias has been brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for Oh, it's time. been so much fun. Thanks for having me. It really has. And where can people find you? On the social medias, on the old internets to say how wonderful you were on the podcast and how amazing host is and how amazing your future work will be but also to thank you for spending your time with us if you want to find me on twitter i am at gem gem hurley that's the best place to find me because i'm usually on there when i'm procrastinating so hey in advance nice perfect uh, andy where can they follow you i do not wish to be contacted over the Great. internet uh <laughs> You can find me at Giles Alderson. You can find the podcast at Filmmakers Pod on Twitter or the Filmmakers Podcast on Instagram or uh, go to our website, thefilmmakerspodcast.com where you can find all our back catalogue of over 220 podcasts now all about filmmaking. And if you want them specifically on screenwriting, uh, then go to the search bar and write screenwriting and all the screenwriters that we've had on will come up, including the wonderful Gemma Hurley. Oh, I know you where can you can go. find me. I know where you can find me. No, we're not bothered now, Andy. Oh. We moved on. It's true. <laughs> He's in the Middle Ages. Come back. You can, you can find me at www.planarwatches.com. Oh, you can. That's where you'll find me. Uh, Andy has a brilliant brand of Planar. Watch, I thought it was Planar, but it's Planar. Well, it is Planar. I've just been trying it. Whatever it is. <laughs> Just pr- mispronouncing your, your own <laughs> name of your brand of watches. You can go out there and make your own film. You can write your film or TV series. Just go out there and do it and make it happen. Believe in yourself or collaborate as we like to do. But if you want to make it on your own, then do. And if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, just as Gem has done, it is your duty to send the elevator back down. We will see you all next Tuesday, as always. Keep smiling. Keep smiling. Gemma, thank you so much for your time. You've been wonderful. Thank you. It's been so much fun. Thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure. Take care, everyone. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. 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 Bye. 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 Bye.